0: Hello, and welcome to the COM122 podcast. This is episode 9. This week, our focus is on the commercial media model, which is the dominant model of media operation in the U.S. Throughout the classes this week, you'll hear the term mandate. A mandate refers to a media outlet's foremost purpose, namely, what is its mission and who what does it serve? Generally speaking, there are the commercial media mandate and the non-commercial media mandate, which is a topic of next week. The commercial mandate is followed by commercial media outlets such as HBO, Hulu, New York Times, and the Big Four TV networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. In fact, most media outlets here in the States are based on the commercial mandate. That means that their primary mission is generating profits. However, we do have media outlets based on the non-commercial mandate, for example, PBS and NPR are public broadcasters in the country whose primary mission is not profit-making, but to educate, inform, and entertain the community. While the commercial mandate is very dominant in the US, it's not necessarily so for elsewhere in the world. Take Europe, for example. In 2017, public funding accounted for 24% of the revenue in Europe's TV industry, whereas in North America, the number is merely 1%. If we look at the level of public funding for public broadcasters, The US and Canada are at the bottom of the rank, and European countries such as Norway, Germany, Sweden, and Denmark are the top. Between various mandates, the key difference lie in who pays for the media, who does it serve, and what determines its success. In reviewing the funding sources of commercial media outlets, we'll notice an important shift in the industry, which is the shift from ad-supported media to paid media. Let's unpack that. In the business of TV, we know that in the States there are four big TV networks. CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. They broadcast national news and have local affiliates across cities to produce regional news. They stream the Super Bowl, Emmys award shows, the Academy Awards, and very likely they carry your favorite TV series. It used to be that the TV networks were 100% supported by advertising. In the pre-digital and pre-cable era, all you needed was a TV antenna to pick up the signal from the TV networks. You didn't have to pay to watch the content. The content was freely available via radio airwaves, but what I just described is long gone. Between the 1950s and 1980s, most commercial TV stations were funded entirely by their advertising dollars. Yet in 2004, we, the consumers, spent more money on media than advertisers did. And in 2008, we spent more time with paid media than with ad-supported media. So, what's happened? Note that the TV industry is no longer dominated by the Big Four. We have hundreds of cable channels which require paid subscriptions. We also have video streaming platforms like Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. They also draw revenue from user subscriptions. Besides, we have the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, and many other such stores that allow users to buy or rent a particular episode of a TV show, or movies. These are examples of paid media. Currently, the revenue of the TV industry comes from three main sources. First, licensing fees and broadcasting rights. For instance. One of the big 4 TV networks strikes a deal with the NFL to live broadcast the Super Bowl. The broadcasting rights tend to be exclusive, and the TV network gets paid if an overseas broadcaster live feed of the game comes from the TV network. The second source of revenue is advertising. This is pretty obvious. During the 2019 Super Bowl, the game's broadcasting rights holder, CBS, charged a record 5.25 million on average for a 30-second spot. The third source is subscriptions. This applies to cable channels, but also increasingly the Big Four TV networks, as they individually launch or plan to launch streaming and on-demand platforms. CBS's streaming site, CBS All Access, charges its users $9.99 per month for commercial-free content. As we've noted previously, the TV industry has shifted from relying on advertising to relying on paid media content. Ad-supported media and paid media are not mutually exclusive. Currently, commercial media outlets increasingly use a hybrid model, drawing revenues from both advertising and subscription. Hulu is a good example of that. It's partly supported by advertising and partly by subscription. Hulu's basic plan costs about $6 per month, and if you are on that plan, you still need to watch commercials. Want a commercial-free subscription? Pay about $12, then. Next, we turn to the newspaper industry. You may have noticed that the newspaper contains a heavy amount of advertising content open a print edition of the Boston Globe, you will encounter classified ads. The online editions of newspapers are also embedded with ads and more subtly promoted content. You would think that newspapers in the current digital age invest a lot in online ads, but you might be surprised to know that compared to subscription, the share of advertising revenue in the total revenue of a newspaper has been declining. At least that's the case for the New York Times. In 2017, around 60% of the revenue from the New York Times came from subscriptions. Advertising, whether in print edition or online, does not appear to be as effective as originally anticipated. So, newspapers instead focus more on attracting new subscriptions. Most commercial newspapers in the US use paywalls for paid content. Readers get a limited number of free articles per month. If they wish to read more, they have to subscribe. This way, the newspaper can target truly avid readers. While paywall is a strategy widely used by most newspapers we are familiar with, there do exist some commercially run, but free newspapers. The Guardian, a newspaper in the UK, is one such example. The Guardian does not charge users a fee for all of its online content. It relies instead on voluntary subscriptions. If you do subscribe to its edition, you can avoid the ads and read without interruptions. Well, that's what The Guardian says on its website, I haven't actually bought it. Additionally, The Guardian fervently solicits online donations. Every time you read an article in The Guardian, you'll notice the little yellow text box asking you to support the newspaper by donating as little as $1. Does The Guardian's approach work? Yes, probably. A recent report indicates that The Guardian has made profits from its model, and that is quite rare in the current newspaper industry. Here's another example. South China Morning Post. It's a daily newspaper in Hong Kong covering the Asia-Pacific. It's a legacy newspaper, but it's been recently bought by Chinese tech giant Alibaba. Alibaba, as a conglomerate, has decided to make the online edition of the newspaper free to the public. So here comes a third way of running newspapers, having a conglomerate support the free access to the newspaper's content. While the newspaper industry might be in a dire situation, financially speaking, they hardly are standalone companies. Newspapers tend to be owned by big media conglomerates or tech giants, With a deep pocket of the conglomerates, newspapers may be able to survive the day. We've discussed quite a bit about who pays for commercial media content. The next question is, who does commercial media outlets serve, and what determines the success of an outlet? The short answer is, the commercial media outlets serve the business interests of advertisers and investors. Does that sound bad? Yes. Due to the commercialization, commercial media outlets typically cater to corporate values and preference of affluent audiences leaving many underprivileged communities and demographics underserved. That said, commercial media outlets do have the strength in fostering competition and creativity in the marketplace, and in that, they serve the audience's diverse needs and preferences. As we approach the end of this episode, I have a question for you. What do you think has contributed to the shift from ad-supported media to paid media? As media outlets move away from the ad-supported model, do you think advertising is becoming obsolete? We'll talk about it more in class, but feel free to reach out. My name is Max Gillis, and thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.